0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that great time of worship of our Lord through song. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 is our text for this morning. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. I felt like today I would be um, finishing up chapter 12 in the book of Hebrews, but as I began studying last week, I really felt the Lord shift and move me to speak on the subject of prayer this morning. So I want to talk about being devoted to prayer. And then, Lord willing, uh, next week I'll talk about what it means to be a church member. And then I'll talk about the subject of evangelism the last Sunday of this month. And then, Lord willing, we'll move back in to finish up our study of Hebrews. But I want to talk about a devotion to prayer. Now, before we pray this morning, I want to say two things uh, or really kind of highlight a couple of things and then share a couple of prayer needs. First thing, I want to talk to our women just for a moment and encourage you all to be a part of our women's conference next weekend. Next Saturday morning, beginning at 8.30, will be the breakfast, and then 9.30, teaching time starts, probably be a 45-minute teaching session, and then uh, question and answers at that point. Dr. Tara Dew will be with our ladies next week. She uh, is a renowned speaker, teacher of women. She travels really across... Uh, America to to teach. Her husband is the president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And so this will be a great opportunity for our ladies to come. And I know, ladies, you've got a lot going on. You are so busy. You've got tons of responsibilities, and sometimes you just want to rest on a Saturday. But I encourage you to be here for that special time. I know that if you come with an open heart, you're going to be edified spiritually. You're going to be built up in the faith. It's going to be a reviving time for you so please go ahead and sign up for that you can do so online you can sign up at the welcome desk when you leave here you can call in the church office but please uh, do that and be here for that great time and then pray for God to really move among our ladies uh, next Saturday then also I just remind us again of this great opportunity we have to provide a a need for our community and that is uh, free dental care There are many people who just really simply cannot afford dental care in our area, and so we have this opportunity in the week of January the 29th through February the 2nd to provide that care for free, but the kicker is uh, this coming Tuesday the 16th from 8th Uh, 30 to 3 o'clock here at the church there's a a mandatory evaluation time where those persons come and kind of see what needs to be done and schedule that out through the week so we need to get the word out to people to please be here on Tuesday for that evaluation time so they can benefit from this ministry now know too that we're going to because we're a a gospel preaching church we're going to share the gospel with those who come for this also so we're going to provide a dental need, and then we're also going to provide the greatest need, the need for the soul, and tell folks about Jesus uh, while we're providing this great ministry opportunity. So please, please spread the word on that, and uh, we greatly appreciate that. Two prayer needs this morning. One is, many of you have probably heard by now that uh, Dr. Tom Kinchin, who is President Emeritus of our, our university... Uh, went home to be with the Lord this past Friday. really, a sudden illness came upon him. They discovered in, around Thanksgiving, a cancerous mass in his abdomen. And then you know, last week we learned that it's um, you know, stage four pancreatic cancer, and the Lord took him on Friday. So we don't know the arrangements yet, but do pray for Miss Ruth Ann and, and their family and just pray for God's comfort and peace, and that they just rest in the comfort of knowing the victory of Christ. And so we just want to, we want to do that. And then and also, we've got, uh, I think, maybe more, but we have at least 84 that are gone today to uh, stand, uh, Strength to Stand Conference in Gatlinburg our, from our student ministry. And uh, so it's a holiday weekend, and so they're out of school on Monday, so they're going up there as they did last year, I think the year before also. Just a powerful time uh, where there are thousands of, of students coming together we're praying for God to save people. We're praying for Christians to be sanctified. And let's pray for our students and pray for all those students that are gathered for it to be a powerful time. And then for their safety, their good health. Uh, they'll be traveling back tomorrow, so we want to pray for them to have a safe trip. So let's go to the Lord right now. Ask Him to bless our time right now. Plus, lift up these prayer requests to Him. Let's pray together. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord God, we bow before you this morning. I thank you for your presence in our first service. Thank you for working in that time, and I just expect, Lord God, and ask that you will do so uh, in this hour. I pray, Lord, for the Kinchin family to be comforted by you, that you will give peace and strength in their lives right now. I pray for Miss Ann to just experience a great level of comfort and peace that comes from you, your presence, and knowing where Dr. Kinchin is. I pray, Father, that you will protect family members as they travel, and I pray for you to bless his service of life celebration, and we just ask that you will guide and direct that time. I also pray, Lord, for our students. I thank you for Uh, what's going on this weekend there in Gatlinburg, and I just pray for you to manifest your presence in a strong way, and I pray for students and adults alike to come to know Jesus as their Savior. I pray, Lord, for some of our own kids who may need to come to Christ. I pray you'll do a work in them so their hearts are open to understand and believe, and, and instead of being resistant because of pride or whatever. I pray that they would surrender fully and completely to you and be born again. I pray for those who are saved to go deeper in their faith because of what happens this weekend. And I pray, Lord, that this is not only that this is not just limited to students, but the leaders that are there with them, I pray will be incredibly impacted. Lord, we just pray, Father, for their safety, for their health, pray that you will keep them safe as they travel back tomorrow bring them back here safely lord and we give all glory to you for what you do in them spiritually and physically and now lord i pray for you to give to me clarity of mind and clarity of speech to preach on the subject of prayer i cannot do this lord without you and i pray you'll get hold of our attention remove distractions and speak to us and help us lord god to understand how to have an effective prayer life And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, I'm speaking on devotion to prayer. You may have heard it said, as I have, that prayer to the spiritual life is like breathing to the physical life. And I do believe that wholeheartedly. It is necessary for us to grow spiritually through intake and obedience to the Word of God, but also coupled along with prayer. Just like no Christian grows without the Word of God, no Christian grows without the practice of prayer. And often, it is the practice of the prayer life, or lack thereof, that indicates the spiritual condition of a person. If there is a weak prayer life, often it's because there's a weak spiritual life. Andrew Murray, who wrote much on the subject of prayer, wrote that the sin of prayerlessness is a proof that the life of God in the soul is in deadly sickness and weakness. If prayer is more of a burden to you this morning than it is a joy, there's a problem in your spiritual life. Now some of you may say, I I just don't know, Pastor, if I could ever say that prayer is a burden to me. Well, let me ask you this. When you're prompted to pray and you know that you need to, you'd still rather do other things than pray. If that's the case, prayer is a burden to you, and there's something wrong spiritually within your life. Prayer is necessary for growth. The Christian gains much power and much intimacy with God through prayer the church the local church connects with the power of God through prayer and yet so few it seems in the American church have a healthy, vibrant fervent, effective prayer life James said and wrote by the Spirit's inspiration that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much it accomplishes much Little, I think, is accomplished in local churches today because there is a lack of prayer. There is a lack of devoted prayer, among other things that hinder the work of God, also. When you call a prayer meeting, you get a handful of people. You call an eating meeting or some entertaining type service, and you get a houseful sometimes. Few gather for prayer few think it's that important it seems to me like there are many in the church today who really know little about what it looks like to have an effective personal prayer life or even what it looks like and how to go about praying together corporately as the people of God sometimes it's our fault as pastors for not teaching that the way we should but for many it's because we've just ignored the principles that have been taught and what needs to take place among the people of God is that we need to relearn, or maybe learn, for the first time, what it looks like to helpfully pray in this year of 2024. So look with me, if you will. In Colossians chapter four and verse two, I'm going to, again speak from this one verse, but in this one verse, there is a plethora of truth to explore and discover and apply. Uh, that we find here in this verse. Here's what the Word of God says, Colossians 4, 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. The main idea of this message this morning is that we must practice and persist in effective prayer. One of the crown jewels of the Christian life is to be able to pray what a privilege it is to pray but we miss it so often we ignore it so often we fail to benefit from this great honor and privilege our God has given to us now in this short verse there are three specific things that's going to help us have an effective prayer life now there's no way to teach all that needs to be taught on prayer in one 40-minute message. There's so much that needs to be taught on prayer, but I want to give us some basics today and pray the Holy Spirit uses this and that we just build off of it to help grow our prayer life. The first thing we need to understand if we're going to be effective in prayer is that we must be devoted to prayer. The first two words in the English translation here continue earnestly translate a compound verb in the greek now just in case there's some that may not be familiar uh, the uh, original new testament was given to us in the koine greek language the greek of the common person so what we do is we translate our translations in english or whatever other language from those manuscripts to help us understand and be able to read the, the word of god for ourselves And this verb is a present active imperative. That means present tense, you keep on doing something. It's a continual action of your life. And notice it's not a suggestion, it's an imperative, it's a command. So the apostle of Jesus Christ, under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes a command to the people of God to be devoted to prayer continually, to persist in it. To not give up, but to persevere in the practice of prayer. This is not the only place we find the command to pray. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. It's in the imperative. It's a command to do so. So we must Discipline ourselves to pray. Now, although prayer can become a burden to us, and that indicates spiritual unhealth, there's always going to be some difficulties and resistance to prayer. Anyone in here ever experienced that? You ever experienced difficulties and resistance in prayer? Do you know why? Oftentimes our flesh does not want to do that. But Satan does everything he can to keep the people of God from praying. He knows what a threat it is when the people of God pray. When the people of God pray, God works through the prayers of his people and undermines and destroys the works of Satan. He fears the praying saint of God. And so he'll do what he can to distract us and allure us and busy us so that we feel like we don't have time for prayer or there's not going to do that much good he will do whatever he can to not to hinder us from cultivating our relationship with God our intimacy with God because when we're close to him then we have fervent prayer lives so he'll work to hinder that in any possible way he can god works through prayer many powerful things are accomplished through prayer and many things that are powerful and could make great impact are not accomplished and they're missed out on because the people of God do not pray. James says you have not because you ask not. There is no mighty work done for the glory of God without prayer. There is no growth in the individual Christian or in the body of Christ without prayer. Now let me say a couple things about prayer to help us understand how to be devoted in our prayer life. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is the position of prayer. What puts us in a position to be devoted to prayer? The first thing that we need to understand about that is we need to be saved. Unsaved people cannot pray. Unsaved people do not have access to God like we do. Now, they may talk. To God in their minds. They may think they're talking to God, but they do not have the access to God. They do not have the closeness to God. They cannot come into the presence of God in prayer like only those who are saved can do. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, the holiest speaks of the presence of God. You do not enter the direct presence of God. Uh, in the spirit without being saved it is the blood of Jesus Christ that is his sacrifice applied to us that cleanses us makes us right before God so that we're adopted into the kingdom of God and we have access to God Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says let us therefore come boldly confidently to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need and so we have this confident access to God through our relationship, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in us. We can go into His presence. Now, let me just say something to you. I, I do not have access to powerful people in the world like some may have. Uh, there are some people I could call up, a world leader or whatever, and they, I would never be able to get access to that person because I'm not in the position to have access to that person. But through Jesus Christ, he has put me in a position to have access to the sovereign of the universe, the one who puts those people in power, the one who gives them their next breath to breathe, the one who allows me to live the next moment of time. I have access to that one through Jesus Christ to enter into his presence and talk with him. Matter of fact, he commands me to come into his presence confidently and talk with him in prayer I illustrate it this way quite often and you probably heard me say this before but a lot of times years ago my daughter would come into my office and sometimes it'd be after school she'd come in and she might, she might ask Miss Trish at that point if, she, if anybody was with my dad but a lot of times she'd just come busting right on up in there like she owned the place she had this access she didn't call and say look you know i'm going to be out of school at three is, could i get an appointment at 3 this afternoon to maybe talk over a few things uh, she had this unique access because she's my kid we're the kids of god we have access to the god of the universe and when we call he is always available he does not ignore the petition Of his child. He does not roll his eyes when he hears who it is. He gladly turns his ear to hear what his child has to say in that moment. But let me tell you something. Not only are we put in a position to pray because of our redemption, once we are redeemed, if we want to have an effective prayer life, one that makes a difference. We must be a people of obedience. We must be a people of holiness. Because disobedience hinders prayer. Sometimes people don't want to pray because they don't see their prayers being answered. They feel like their prayers are not getting past the ceiling. Now sometimes that may be because we're not praying the will of God. Sometimes it means that we are not praying with the right motives And so we're not seeing God move, or sometimes God's just saying, wait. Sometimes we don't see much happen through our praying because we're not right with God. We're out of fellowship with Him. We are nursing sin. We are neglecting God. We are allured by the world. We have put Him on the second place of our life, or third place, or fourth place, and we had all these other things before God but sometimes it's the sin of unbelief we just don't believe our prayer is going to make that much of a difference you ever been there you just think what good is my praying going to do how is it going to change anything I don't see it don't see anything happening and I'm praying and praying and praying so I've just become convinced that this is not going to make really a bit of difference in the world why are we like that what's the cause of such unbelief here it is it's a lack of intimacy with God it's a lack of closeness with God that puts us in that type of attitude because in that attitude prayer is not an interest to us it's something we feel we we must do we have to do it's a burden to us we do it sort of begrudgingly we do it in case of emergency we do it Maybe that little general prayer every morning, Lord, protect my family today, just in case prayer does work. (laughs) Lord, protect my family today, blah, blah, blah. And then we move on and we do our own thing. And there's no closeness with God. There's no interaction with Him. Our prayer life is benign because there is no closeness with God. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome notice that why is the command to praise such a burden because there's a lack of love for God when we're close to him we love him and his commands are not a burden they are an absolute joy in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, the Lord Jesus said, Have faith in God. Then he went on and he described how a believing prayer life is so powerful. But the reason we have such a problem with unbelief is, again, because we have a lack of intimacy with God. When a person is close to God, they have faith in God. you ever wondered how faith is sort of fueled in our lives? It's when we have a pursuit and a closeness with God. That produces faith. Faith results in prayer. There's no person of faith who does not pray. If they got faith, they pray because they know God's going to do it. They're going to trust in Him. They're going to they're go to Him. And so the position of prayer must be one of holiness, where we seek God where we pursue Him. We desire to obey Him, and as that relationship cultivates, and, and He begins to reveal more and more of Himself to us, and we learn Him. You know, here's the problem with so many among the people of God today is we're just satisfied where we are spiritually. We're, we're not going to hell, so that's great. So we just, we're just we satisfied with maybe going to church occasionally, and we might serve and even give some and this kind of thing, But but that is not where God wants us to be. He didn't save us just to... To stay stagnant, but we're to continually be growing and developing and becoming more like Jesus. But too many Christians are satisfied where they are. That is not what God wants for us. He desires us to move on in the faith. And when we do, we have a stronger and more powerful prayer life when that takes place. We see God working through our praying. That's the position of prayer. let me talk about the procedure of prayer how do we kind of flesh this thing out well I don't have time to go into much detail but I want to give you two aspects of of uh, the procedure of prayer that help us get started one is you need scheduled time to pray if you don't say I'm going to pray at this time and what I would recommend is what I do and that's to couple your prayer life and your Bible reading together that's what makes up a devotion life. It's when you're praying and you're studying the Scripture to apply to your life. In my life or over the years, what I've practiced is in every morning, about thirty minutes of prayer and thirty minutes of Scripture reading. You know, and and thinking through it and writing on that. So that's about an hour devotion life every morning. Now we'll do what we want to do. I mean, we'll do what we want to do. I was thinking about this last night when you had. Um, in that uh, Chiefs-Dolphins game, you had what it's like 87 below zero. <laughs> you know the place is packed with people, screaming. Some of them don't even have shirts on. You know when you see the highlights of that, you think. Th- then you got some Christians that are looking at their thermometer on Sunday morning and going, oh "My goodness, it's 47. <sighs> Guys, it's, it's a little brisk today. Why don't we stay home?" Watch online and (laughs) this kind of thing. I mean, uh, there's just, it's just insane. We're going to do what we want to do. What we should want to do is do what God desires us to do, what he commands us to do. But you need to schedule time. And so if you don't schedule that time, you probably won't pray. Things will encroach on it. So there's two scheduled times that are always going to be in my life, one in the morning, one at night, one time before I go to bed, one time when I get up in the morning. Those are scheduled times. Now, sometimes I'll schedule more time for prayer uh, through my day. Daniel is a good example for this. Daniel uh, had scheduled times where he prayed. He prayed three times a day. Matter of fact, he was so focused and devoted to that time with God that his enemies used it against him, but God delivered him. (laughs) And so he had those three times a day scheduled to go be with God. We should start there. Everybody needs scheduled time with God. But then a second thing that we need to understand is there needs to be spontaneous prayer. And that is sometimes we're going to feel compelled to go spend some time in prayer. Or we're going to be driving down the road and we, just, we, we are just aware of the need to pray. Or we're in a conversation with someone and we, we, we learn through our closeness with God and that time with Him to be able to pray to him in that very moment. It's like Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. In chapter 1 and 2 of the book of Nehemiah, we see that Nehemiah gets word that things are bad in Israel or in Jerusalem. You see, God's people were disobedient, so they were carried off into exile. Then after 70 years, they were starting to come back after that Babylonian exile, and they came back in waves. And Nehemiah was part of that third wave going back into Jerusalem, but, but he is serving the king of Persia at that time. And he's so burdened by what he's heard that the gates are burned and the wall is, around Jerusalem is down and, it, and the people are struggling that are coming back. And he is, he is down because of that. And he's in the presence of the king. And the king sees his countenance so sad. And that's the dangerous thing in those days because you could be put to death for just being sad in the presence of the king. So the king asks him, Nehemiah, I've never seen you like this before. You're not even sick. Why are you so sad? And and he's terrified. And he answers the king back. He says, why should I not be sad? Because uh, the gates of Jerusalem are burned. Uh, And it's a mess there. And the king says, well, what do you request? And Nehemiah, in that conversation before the king, the word of God says in verse 4 of chapter 2 that he prayed. And then he answered the king, and the king granted his request. So in that moment of conversation, he's able in his spirit to talk with the Lord. That's, that's the kind of prayer life we want. We're able to breathe a prayer in that moment and God hears and, and works uh, in that time. There's going to be scheduled time and there's going to be spontaneous time, times that we're prompted to pray, times that we are in the middle of something and we keep praying. D.L. Moody The uh, 19th century evangelist was traveling across the the Atlantic and the ship that he was on caught fire and so they're all trying to fight that fire they've got buckets a bucket brigade and they're passing the buckets along to throw on the fire and one of his companions says why don't we go suggest to to, uh, Moody why don't we go to the other end of the ship and pray I guess pray you know for them to do a good job in putting the fire out or whatever and Moody said no sir we will stand right here, pass the buckets, and pray hard all the time we're doing so. What he said by that meant by that is, I'm going to keep fighting this fire, but I'm going to also be praying to God the whole time I'm doing that. Because there was this closeness that he had. The more we grow in the Lord, the more we take time for prayer, The more we look forward to it, the more we see God working through our prayer life. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, He said, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Those are present tense also. Ask, seek, and knock. Keep on doing it. We must be devoted to prayer. So we need to be in the right position to have a devoted prayer life and follow some of the right procedures of Scripture to, to have that devoted prayer life. But a second thing we see in this verse of Scripture is that we must be perceptive in prayer. Notice there are two modifiers of this verb, and one of those modifiers is being vigilant in it. This devoted prayer should be vigilant prayer. Now, what does that mean? The most basic interpretation of that word is to stay awake reminds me of the three disciples in the garden of gethsemane the lord said you know watch and pray lest you enter into temptation and they went to sleep how many of us have gone to sleep praying sometimes i mean i've done that before you get on your knees and put your head in the chair and start praying next thing you know you're drooling <laughs> you, you, you wake up and you're kind of drooling all over your chair So it happens. So obviously you want to be awake when you're praying. But the word means much more than that. It means to be alert to what to pray for. It means to be aware of your circumstances. It means to understand specifics as well as you can so you can pray with more of a focus, informed, educated prayer. So you're alert. Our, our prayer life can become very predictable, can it? It can become very general, and we just start praying things, and we'll pray the same things over and over again, and and uh, and when we do that, uh, you know, we don't even know what we pray. We we can get involved in praying about things, and and we say amen, and it's just like muscle memory. No wonder we can't see God answer. We don't even know what we're praying half the time. There should be a freshness to our prayer. You spend time in the Word of God. You spend time reflecting and meditating. You, you spend time discerning the circumstances of life, the condition of the world around you. It will drive an effective prayer life. It, it, it'll help you know what to pray for. Let me give you three things that are helpful. I don't think I have these on the screen for you, but... To be vigilant, understand this. We need to pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 and Jude 20. What does that mean? That just simply means to pray influenced by the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? By being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible commands us to be filled with the Spirit. The Word of God commands us to walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 and Galatians 5.16. We find these imperatives, these commands to be filled over and over with the Spirit. So the Spirit of God begins to guide and direct us in prayer. You're praying and you're a Spirit-filled person. That just simply means you've surrendered yourself to the will of the Lord. You want to serve Him and the Holy Spirit fills your life. And He begins to impress things on your heart. He begins to drive your praying. Second thing is we need to be filled with the Scriptures because our praying needs to be guided by the Scriptures. We need to know the promises of God, the instruction of God, so that we are going to pray more effectively, more alert uh, as to what to pray for. A third thing is we need to understand our circumstances, what's happening in the world around us, what's happening in our sphere of influence. Sometimes we can get so focused, we've got blinders on, we're just kind of going and going, and we don't realize what all's happening around us we need to be perceptive ask God for discernment about how to pray more effectively sometimes it would be as simple as this I've had it happen before walking down the hallway of the church or somewhere else and just, God just impress on you to pray for these people you just met in the hallway and so sometimes it's just to pray for them right there in that moment make a mental note uh, and put them in your prayer life for a while in your prayer list for a while a number of things So those are three helpful things to be able to pray with vigilance. But if we pray with vigilance, listen, here's some things that happen. If we're being vigilant, watchful, perceptive in prayer, we understand what prayer is and what prayer is for. Let me just list some of those things. First, it's fellowship with God. It's communication with God. Verse 9 of Matthew 6, the Lord's teaching His disciples to pray, and He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Addressing the Father, there's a relationship there, father-son, father-daughter relationship. There is worship happening. Hallowed, holy is your name. There's adoration and praise that comes through prayer. It is communication with the eternal God this thing called prayer secondly it's a way in which our daily needs are met he taught his disciples to pray in the model prayer um, about, about their daily bread and that emphasizes the daily needs of life that doesn't mean we don't have responsibility to you know, do our part working and gaining and those kind of things but we're praying and trusting God who's helping third thing is that spiritual warfare is involved in prayer it's how we fight our battles through prayer that's why at the end of that great chapter on the armor of god there's this verse ephesians six eighteen, that we're to pray always with all prayer and supplication the word of god says emphasizes prayer in fighting those spiritual battles Prayer also is necessary for the work of God. God chooses to use prayer to accomplish His work. Look in in verse 3 and 4 right here in the book of Colossians. Paul goes on to make a request of the Colossian church. He says, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. <clears throat> He's asking them to pray for him that, he can, that his ministry would be successful. Why would the Apostle Paul, who was so gifted at teaching and preaching, who understood the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God, why would he ask this church to pray for him? Because it matters. Because prayer works. Because God uses prayer to accomplish his work. And that's why Paul prayed for the churches so much. He prayed for the church at Ephesus. He prayed for the church at Philippi and Colossae and Thessalonica. He he prayed always for them. He he prayed without ceasing for them. Why? Because it matters. I think that's one thing missing in the church today. We don't pray for each other. We talk about each other. (laughs) We criticize each other. We get mad at each other, but we don't pray for each other we don't pray for the spiritual well-being and stability of one another but we don't pray for God's use of our brothers and sisters in Christ for his glory we don't pray like we should for each other and I think the church is weaker today because of it we need to pray God accomplishes work through prayer Martin Luther said he had so much to do every day that he had to start it with three hours of prayer that's how much he believed in the power of prayer to accomplish the work of God for the day. And you start reading in Martin Luther's life and some of those, those ancient Christians like that, man, they make us look like the biggest wimps when it comes to being a Christian you've ever seen in your life because they would start their day, you know, they, some of them guys get like two hours of sleep for 35 years, you know, because they're serving the Lord and praying and doing all that. And, you know, we whine because we have to go to church on Sunday morning at 1030. Y'all right this morning? (laughs) Uh... Prayer is powerful, and we ought to do it. You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Word of God teaches us that we're to pray for kings and all who are in authority, that we might live a quiet and peaceable life. So the Word of God tells the people of God to pray for leaders, and it affects how they lead. We're good at criticizing, aren't we? (laughs) I'm going to raise my hand. Raise my hand if we criticize leaders a lot. Some of y'all are lying. (laughs) How much are we praying? How much are we praying? The prayers of God's people have powerful... The prayers of God's people are essential for evangelism. That same passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2 lets us know that. One thing we ought to be praying for people is they get saved. We see fewer and fewer saved leaders in our country and in the world. The fact is we're to be praying... And we're to be praying for the lost because the Bible tells us in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 that God desires all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's one of the things we should be praying for people. It makes a difference. How burdened are we for the lost of our community? Has that burden driven us to pray with fervency for them? Maybe we don't see more receptivity to the gospel because of that. But do you also know the peace of God is attained through prayer? Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 tells us to be anxious for nothing but in, all, in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Our minds and hearts are guarded by the, with, the, with the peace of God through prayer. We're laying those requests before the Lord. Many Christians are not at peace because they're not at prayer. They are not at peace because they are not at prayer so often. The importance of prayer cannot be overemphasized. It cannot be overstated. We must be vigilant in prayer. And listen to this. I'm getting close to being done, so y'all hang in there with me. I don't want you to miss this. Do you know our praying outlives us? There are people in this congregation who are in heaven. And maybe 60 years ago, they were praying for the work of this church family, and we are benefiting still today from the prayers of those saints. Our prayer outlives us. there are prayers that we pray right now maybe some of your ancestors prayed and they're long since in heaven but the prayer they prayed while they were here on this earth it still is having effect in your life Ian Bounds wrote that the prayers of God's saints strengthen the unborn generation against the devil desolate waves of sin and evil woe to the generation of sons who find their own censers empty of the riches of incense of prayer whose fathers have been too busy or too unbelieving to pray and who have inexpressible perils and untold consequences for their heritage that is what they're going to inherit is untold perils and consequences because while they're fathers and mothers were alive on this earth they did not pray the way God wanted them to pray for that next generation and on Bounds goes on to write they whose fathers and mothers have left them a worthy legacy of prayer are very fortunate indeed now I could give us some scriptural evidence for what I've just got through talking about but I don't have time So the Word of God teaches us that if we're going to be effective in prayer, we must be devoted to prayer. We must be perceptive in prayer. Finally and quickly, we must be thankful in prayer. That's the last thing that's said here, with thanksgiving. Do this with thanksgiving. Paul was in grave circumstances. He's in a Roman prison as he's writing this down by the Spirit's inspiration. But there was a thankfulness in the heart of Paul because Paul never lost sight of this fact, the kingdom of God is coming. The Lord Jesus Christ is returning. God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He can accomplish His work. He can do all things. His arm is not too short to intervene and work. And that thankfulness fuels prayer. It inspires prayer. And listen, He should be thanked. answering prayer he's the only one worthy of the glory for that not the person who prayed it sometimes we give more thanksgiving to people who intercede for us than we give to God who answers we should give praise to God in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 that great summary verse I mentioned part of this last week the word of God says this and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine in fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers they were devoted to prayer you can't read the book of Acts without seeing that you can't read the New Testament without seeing that so the people of God need to reconnect with prayer we need to pray for us to be fervent spiritually we need to pray for souls to be saved we need to pray for revival to come and spiritual awakening we're in need of that in our country Edwin Orr wrote that history is silent about revivals that did not begin with prayer he's renowned for his study on the great awakenings plus he's an Orr <laughs> you need to listen to him <laughs> just kidding <laughs> Prayer's powerful I'll close with this Hudson Taylor, missionary to China in the 19th century, was on his way to his mission field. And the ship that he was sailing on um, found themselves with really no wind to propel uh, the ship. And so they were being carried by the currents into a hidden reef. And that reef was off the shore of an island inhabited by cannibals who were already on the shoreline building fires. So the captain, and this came out of his diary, the captain said to uh, Hudson Taylor, Well, we have done everything that can be done. And Taylor said that a thought occurred to me, and I replied, No, there's one thing we have not yet done. What is that? he asked. Four of us on board are Christians. Let us each retire to his own cabin, and in agreed prayer ask the Lord to give us an immediate breeze. So Taylor and his comrades did that. Very quickly, briefly, he prayed, came back, and he said to the first officer uh, to let down the sails. And the first officer said, Well, what good would that do? And Hudson Taylor answered, I told him that we had been asking God for a wind and that it was coming immediately. So the first officer did so, and within minutes wind filled the sails and moved them on in their course and they did not crash into the reef. Hudson Taylor is an ordinary guy following the will of God. Real people pray real prayers and the real God of the universe answers. But I think the church today has lost sight of that. And we should repent of our prayerlessness. Because if we believe that, we'd pray more. And if we pray more and we don't see God moving, then we need to ask ourselves, why? What's happening within me, Lord? What's happening within us is hindering the prayers of your people. Today, we should repent and seek the Lord with all of our our might Set aside those things that hinder prayer so that we get close to the Lord and devoted in prayer and we see Him work in powerful ways through our prayer lives. For some in this room and some online, you need to to call on the Lord to save you. You would admit that you are uh, separated from God because of your sin but you also believe that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay for your sin and rose again the third day and if you will trust Him to be your Lord and your Savior turning your life over to Him today He will save you then you'll have access to God you'll have this ability to fellowship with God He gives us direct access to Him the Word of God tells us with clarity and so why don't you come today and Say to me, look, I need to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. We'll help you pray that today. Maybe some need to join the church today. Maybe others need to come and spend time at the altar, maybe just to kind of confess things and get things where they need to be for your prayer life. Or would you come, if you feel so led, and pray that we would all begin to have a fervent prayer life, that we would pray individually and corporately, and we would see God begin to work through our praying in a mighty way. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you for giving me the ability to to speak on it, and I pray in my own life these principles would be true. I desire, Lord, a very devoted prayer life. I desire to know you more. Forgive me for allowing things to hinder that. I feel like, Lord, maybe there's many who would say the same thing here today. Help us, Lord, right now to pursue you and pursue you through an intimate prayer life. And so, Lord, help us to understand all this and apply this and even have your way now immediately in this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.